0: Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. They're coming to get you, Barbara.
1: Welcome to Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. It is an opportunity for us to take a look at the finest films ever made. And this is uh, in the great, great uh, oversight of Mr. J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, storyboard artist for the Big Stars, the Coen Brothers, and beyond. Thanks for being here today.
0: It's my pleasure, Nikki Dakota.
1: Also, George Williman, the film archivist for the Library of Congress, uh, specifically the Nitrate Division, who you might know a thing or two about film and indeed have come here today with a mind full of fear. Hi. (laughs) It is filmically perfect. And on this day, gentlemen, tell us, uh, in honor of this very frightening month of October, what exactly will we be uh, delving into today?
2: Well, today we are going into uh, George A. Romero's first great feature Night of the Living Dead from 1968.
1: Man, oh man, I want to tell you that I do remember very clearly seeing this movie and as a child. who
0: doesn't remember this movie? Honestly. Who wasn't rattled when they saw this movie? You'd say, you're probably sitting there going, this looks like a cheap film. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> this got some bad acting in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the fear, and then the sheer fright. And this was apparently done on a shoestring. But hey, you know what? I got a lot of questions for you about this completely frightening film. But first, let's take a moment to uh, remind ourselves and everyone it is what it is exactly that uh, makes a film perfect.
0: Boy, we're sure glad you asked. Hit it, George. Well, first,
2: they create the world they exist in. And they
0: wholly, all the films we talk about, all the perfect films we talk about, wholly sustain that
2: world. And, regardless of changes in society, they retain their meaning and entertainment value.
0: And they are never, never, never numerically ranked one better than another. They are always within their own scale as perfect.
1: That is important to point out, isn't it? Because it's not about the the best 100 movies ever Isn't that ever right,
2: made. George? Do it in the Walter Winchell voice. That's right, folks. Never numerical. Always one, never better than the other. Thank you much.
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? If you uh, find yourself uh, checking this out on a weekly basis, we're hoping that uh, that you put a little love over the phone line, 800-801-9976, toll free across the country and I think around the world. And uh, let's just take a second here to uh, let... Uh, first of all, we need to say there's a spoiler alert, right?
2: Spoiler uh, alert! Spoiler alert! Yes, big spoiler alert for those those of you who have never seen this film, we are going to discuss a little bit about the ending, the ending of the film uh, and if Spoiler. you haven't seen it it's going to spoil it for you. Sorry! <laughs> <Spoiler>. <laughs>
1: So we're talking about night of the living dead which... and if you
0: haven't seen the ending of this movie man you've been left out somewhere in the cold because this is one of the most classic zombie
2: movies ever made and
1: it was made on a shoestring is that right
2: that's correct i uh, mean just
1: hardly any budget at all the,
2: no the initial budget on it was $114,000, <laughs> and it was basically the effort of, of george romero who was a uh, uh, a maker of commercials in pittsburgh who was just dying to get into features And he and 10 of his uh, local Pittsburghians got together, formed this company called Image 10. And each put in, uh, like, $10,000 to get this movie started. And this
0: is 1968, folks. Those are dollars in 1968, which are probably about, uh, I don't know, six or $700,000 today.
1: Really? Oh, wow, yeah. Probably.
0: I don't know. I'm not the e- economics guy. But, um, <laughs> so, but 19... still a lot of money for 1968, even 19... though it's a small-budget movie.
1: Right, right. 1968, like, a, a, a movie that was made on a small budget that has impact and, and and resonance through to this day. And also, think about that year, 1968, very tumultuous for the country. There was so and much a black
0: on? actor as the, as the lead and he wasn't providing magic or any other thing he was giving you know total direction and guidance to all these people who are running away from zombies that is this was a little revolutionary he's a very very level-headed guy cool. you know and he's the last guy that survives right.
2: that's right and um the the interesting thing about it is uh, the the low budgetness of it the the way they saved money making it is that everybody who worked on the film did four or five things. <laughs> uh, one of the a couple of the producers, actually three of the producers are in the film. Uh, the brother of the producer ran the sound equipment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The music that you're listening to uh, actually came from one of the production company's la- uh, libraries. They had purchased a, a music library, and they just picked tracks out of it.
1: Oh, wow. So
2: it's amazing the music has this sort of... Uh, Similar, similarness—is that the word I want to use? Uh, throughout, I mean, it, it really sustains the movie and it works really well. But it's you know tracks from all over the place.
1: So if you would be so kind on this uh, one of your perfectly uh, perfect movies, uh, George, be so kind as to give us just sort of a little little sketch out of the action of the movie.
2: Okay. Well, basically, what happens is uh, this, this uh, brother and sister have come to a small cemetery in Pennsylvania to put flowers on their father's grave. Um, they are attacked by this man who's just kind of blank-looking. Uh, the brother Johnny is killed, and the sister Barbara takes off, runs away, ends up in this lonely farmhouse. Uh, where sound
0: familiar, folks? Sound familiar? <laughs> Car breaks down. And where she is, she's
2: sor- shortly joined by by Ben, who has come there from a horrifying uh, incident at a diner with these creatures. Uh, who who? Uh... Sound
0: familiar, folks? <laughs> sound familiar? <laughs>
2: But basically, the the upshot of it is that something something has happened to reanimate dead bodies, and they are uh, chasing after living people, basically. Uh, killing them and eating them.
0: Sound familiar, folks? Sound familiar? <laughs> well, other than being the content
1: of my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but this really did start a, a trend, and you're saying sound familiar because this got repeated. This was the this first. Is the, this
0: is the plan for all zombie movies after 1968. Uh, they're pursued. They find a farmhouse. They put boards up, you know. And they all do it very stylishly nowadays. They do. It. This is the way I do it. Right. I put this kind of wood on this the. Is window. You art. Know, we this use is my. This is my zombie only movie. Oak. And of course hordes of zombies you know move in them and stick their hands through the windows and everything and there's always one left this is the way every movie every zombie movie from 1968 has went on it's on the George Romero you can go find a file somewhere at Foy's you know Halloween store and yeah. pull this out how to make a zombie movie first
2: watch Night of the Living Dead you know <laughs> that's right and the film I think one of the reasons is the film has become so available because of a hideous loophole in the copyright law
1: I noticed, I saw that, yeah, Yeah. that, um, oh yeah, it really was a shame for everyone involved because they never got to uh, reap sort of the benefits because they changed the title, right?
2: That's right, the company that finally released it, and I should step back a moment and say that uh, this is is one of the things I like about George Romero and his independence is that um, they took it to Columbia Pictures and Columbia said that they would consider releasing it if they would change the ending, uh, oh. Romero refused to change the ending, and so Columbia's passed on it. But they ended up going to a little company called Continental uh, that wanted that had them change the title because there already was a film out called Night of the Flesh Eaters, which is the original title. Right. So, they, so they
1: had a, a title, uh, an opening scene made up with that that did have a copyright, a copyright notice on it. Definitely. Right.
2: And then when uh, Walter Reed, or excuse me, Continental had them redo the titles... They left the copyright notice off.
1: An accident. Unintentional. And
2: in the copyright law in 1968, it said any film that was released had to bear a copyright notice on the print.
1: Mm, mm, mm. So people were actually able to legally make massive quantities of this and show it, and no money returning to the coffers of the people that made the movie.
2: And now I have heard that they have gotten some of their rights back, and the nice thing about that is there is now a very nice DVD of the film out uh, from the original negative and it is astonishing to see this film. Is that this
1: one here?
2: No, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it was.
0: you know well, well, a lot of people they'll say, "Hey George, hey Jay Todd, you're getting a little out of the lines here with this as a perfect film." But who doesn't remember it? And who can't say that it is just one of the best zombie movies ever made. What's well, it's, the
1: first zombie? movie. Well, not really. The no, first okay. one was
0: uh, the first one was um, White Zombie. White Zombie, which is one of our personal favorites. But this is the one where the zombies actually start getting aggravated to being pushed around, and they struck back. You know, <laughs> they start eating people. You know,
2: yeah. Up until this point, zombies were pretty calm. They kind of stared out in space. They're very docile.
0: They Nobody down. bugged them. They you know they minded their own business until this movie came along.
2: Yeah. Well, now they'll eat your intestines.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is in the movie, and it's. Like one of the first intestine-eating movies I think I've ever seen. You
1: know. I always wonder how they do that. It must be entrails from animals, right? I,
2: it was. One of their backers owned a, a, a butchering. Oh
1: shop, man, you know. I'm not surprised. <laughs> hey,
2: it- a, a lot of people read
0: interesting things into this movie too. Um, you know, like for instance, in in Corinthians it says uh, um, for tomorrow. How's that, George? Uh, We'll it's it's say, about no, do not bury the separation day. from God, you know. People uh, always because they don't really die; they just keep uh, uh, for for if the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow uh, we yeah. die. We yeah. almost certainly die. I've heard I've heard of people writing about this as an uh, like an end of the world kind of thing. From apocalyptic, yeah, where the rapture has come and this is what has happened, and then there are other other comparisons to culture
2: right well a lot of people say because of the time it was made 68 being a really rough uh, vietnam yeah, war and, and yeah. general tumultuous times that it deals a lot with that I, I read recently um that the the zombies represent capitalism you know and engulfing and eating anything and anybody who is not part of that scheme they are the ones in the house who are to be assimilated by the, cap, the evil, hungry capitalists. Oh, how about capitalist. it. Now, I yes. wonder
1: if... Uh, by the way, we're speaking about The Night of the Living Dead on Filmically Perfect today. I wonder if the makers had any of that necessarily in mind. Is it enough of a sort of universal theme that we're able to fill all this in, or do you think people are just looking too hard?
2: Uh, well, seeing some of Romero's other films, I mean, all the way up to, like, uh, he made a film in 2002 or 3 called Eraser,
1: yeah uh, that is, is
2: quite quite vicious and extremely cynical. I think he had some of this even back then.
1: <laughs> There's a certain
2: amount of cynicism that pervades his films
1: so again, we got a spoiler alert coming and, uh, and but, uh, but it
0: is saying something for a movie that's made on such a low budget and I'm sure was scoffed at more times than you can count that all of a sudden it still holds some sort of meaning forty years later you know and and this just when you watch a zombie picture now it's just everything has been duplicated and and with more volume there's more right. zombies there's more, more hands blood, coming through the windows more, yeah. but this is real simple and this is as i said it was a boilerplate for all the zombie movies that come so when you watch it you're it's kind of anticlimactic because you're used to seeing all these you know, but it's still the same thing. Yeah, it's black and white, folks. It's right. in black and white, so the blood's going to run redder in your mind than it is on the screen,
2: you know? <laughs> unless you get one of the colorized mm-hmm. versions.
1: Ooh,
0: boo hiss, boo hiss. <laughs> so
1: someone actually went through and colorized every. That's question. against who the did
2: rules. That? Turn yeah, to classic a classic movie. Actually, did there are that? at least I believe two or three now colorized versions. Again, because the film is open for anyone to use.
1: <gasps> oh, right. It's because without that copyright, anyone no. can uh, grab it and uh, do whatever they please that's just amazing isn't it so there was a remake in 90 and we were talking about it before we went on the air and that's probably account or attributable to the fact that they virtually right. got nothing from I, the I do first believe one. that
2: that romero was somewhat uh somewhat available for that one but there's also another remake from this year in 3d that was made uh- without any assistance from him <laughs> So yes, yeah, so it is. Find goes something on and good on and, on and, and
1: on. just keep we're talking about well, uh, Night of the Living Dead today on Filmically Perfect and uh J Todd Anderson and George Williman in here telling us why this qualifies. Uh, because it sustains itself. It
0: uh, Oh, they create their own world, there's no doubt about it.
1: It is unique. It is and you fall right in. You don't have
0: any problems. So on sort like of one getting... little little perimeter, farmhouse.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that they were kind of were forced to create their own world because of their lack of money. <laughs> but they, they did. It's really interesting. This little microcosm of sort of middle America in this farmhouse because it's a very you know sort of Pennsylvania slash Ohio farmhouse very midwestern and these people are very ordinary looking people there's no no uh, young teens or any kind of stuff like that there's, there's a, a businessman uh, the girl
1: next oh, door right. and uh a yeah,
0: really, really angry businessman. And you yeah. know there's something up with these zombies because they're beating the headlights out
2: of the truck.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: You're not going anywhere, box. <laughs> And I think, I think the one character in the film that is most fascinating, and again says a lot for George Romero, is the character of Ben, who's played by Dwayne Jones, who is a, a really good, a wonderful African-American stage actor that they hired. Um, who plays this part I mean he does not get enough credit for his acting abilities I mean the guy was one of the
0: first
1: I remember the, it he's clearly, not a
0: Sydney Poitier we understand that he dresses right, right. like Sidney Poitier yeah, in does. the movie but you don't see t- any nuns running around in this thing
1: man. yeah as I was a kid um, I was a, my parents a big fan of, uh, of Harry Belafonte when I first saw it as a kid part of the reason why it stopped and caught my attention I thought it was Harry Belafonte but then in that moment that it took me to bring my attention to bear I just couldn't get from in front of the television and was just scared witless for the next hour.
2: In fact, I understand that uh, when Dwayne Jones got the script, Ben had originally been written as kind of a dumb truck driver, (laughs) and, and he actually went and supposedly rewrote most of the dialogue to make Ben more intelligent, because he just did not want to do the dumb routine. But, I mean, he's, he's a very strong character, and he drives the movie, and he keeps going, and he takes charge.
1: So what we have, more or less, is sort of a man-against-man scenario here. It's the people inside themselves, sort of, I mean, in the, inside the house fighting against one another to sort of figure out how to handle these dead things.
0: George has cleverly mapped out the subplot of this movie between the cellar and the argument of what, you know, what area is really safe.
2: Yeah, this is, this is the most controversial thing I find in this, is that you have, you have Ben, who, who wants to fight the, the zombies. He's up there, he's upstairs, he says, I'm going to fight for everything up here, and we're going to fight these guys, we're going to survive, we're going to make it. And then there's Harry Cooper, who's the, the sort of middle-aged white businessman. You know, he never takes his tie off yeah. this whole thing, or his tie clip. And he's like, no, we're going to go to the basement. The basement's the safest place in the house. We'll barricade, barricade ourselves in the basement, we'll be fine. And so, and it goes on and, and of on. Of course, our
0: kid has been bit by a zombie. She comes back to life. And
2: so she's in the basement yeah, down, the, down Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. when we finally, when the, the zombies finally break into the house and are wreaking havoc and are tearing, you know, are carrying away all of our cast members um, <laughs> in pieces. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Ben
2: basically ends up being forced uh-huh. to go to the basement and barricade himself in. And he's down there uh, by him. The Coopers are down there, but they're now dead. And he has to dispatch them when they come back to life. But he right. finds himself alone in the basement where he spends the night. And the next morning, he has survived because he was barricaded in the basement.
1: Oh, how yeah. See, I was sort of missing. And, that.
2: and before, you know, they got a, a police. The police
0: have rifles and everything. And they're out uh, hunting for any zombies that look suspicious. And he gets killed because he kind of. Looks suspicious from like a thousand yards, you know. Right. Aww. And th- this, uh, what George and I have failed to mention is this is the first movie that establishes zo- uh, rules for how to kill a zombie.
1: Which is, as we find out,
0: you shoot them in the head.
1: <laughs> that you stops all him.
0: zombies. Now they start breaking those rules recently because they kind of run out of material. But... Right.
1: Some 30 plus... Well, we're looking at they're 40 just, years ago almost, aren't we?
0: Right. Yeah. They're just dead flesh, but they're really dangerous. Yeah. That's what the cop says in the movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the, it's the interviewer, it's the radio guy. They're just dead flesh, but they're they're really dangerous. <laughs> and this film does show very little respect for, for law officials or government because in, in the few <laughs> scenes that involve them, they seem to be either buffoonish or, or just that they're deliberately hiding something. You know the the whole the whole story comes out that it was some government um, radiation uh, radiation from some government right. uh, space, probe. space probe, and of course they're going. We can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. And interestingly enough, the news interviewer in that scene of the Washington uh, the Washington news interview yeah. is George Romero with the microphone asking the question.
0: Oh, is that right? Yes. And George is still around. George just made a movie last year, you know, which was another zombie picture made up in Canada.
2: Um, yeah, it was the fourth part of the trilogy.
1: I did not know, actually, that there was a... Hey, no, hey, now, tell me, what about Dawn of the Dead? How does that figure into any of this?
2: That's a great movie, too, man. Yeah, it it follows immediately, and it has... Whereas this one... You know, the, the social commentary is kind of subdued because they were just getting started and they really wanted to make an entertaining movie. Yeah. In Dawn of the Dead, the social commentary takes over.
1: Yeah, no, wait, it's no, all about
2: a shopping
0: malls. Mall.
1: Is that also George Romero? Yes. This, oh, so it is. So this, this is the continuation of yeah. the... Yes.
0: Number, number two. Number two in the oh, sequel. Oh,
1: because I've seen Dawn of the Dead and I've seen that as a... Which has a, that really adult.
0: fantastic shot where they're they're sequestered up into this shopping mall. Again, it's the same plan. It's not a farmhouse. It's a shopping this mall. It's a
1: shopping mall. And they see
0: the zombies coming to the shopping mall and they... They say something like a, why, why they are they coming here? here? I don't know. Yeah,
2: something they remember from their lives. So How many times bad. have you
0: thought about that if you've seen that movie? Went have. to the mall. Actually,
2: every time I go to the mall, it's easy.
1: So it's certainly a movie that uh, George, set a lot of things in motion. Yeah.
0: George Romero
2: had a way of hitting that nerve, man. And he still, and he still does. He yeah. still does. Yeah. In fact, I've heard he is starting work on another uh, dead movie because he was up upset with the way his last one was handled by the studio.
1: So how about it? We had Night of the Living Dead followed by Day of the Dead. No, Dawn, Dawn of the, of the dead, dead. And then Day, Day of, of the Dead. dead. Was Land. there Early Afternoon of the Dead? Or does it just... I think there's
2: a Afternoon Tea Time of the <laughs> Dead. Breakfast at Tiffany's with the Dead. <laughs>
1: We're talking to the film guys on Film of Clean Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. So, a little something we do every Friday. And uh, today talking about uh, Night of the Living Dead. I have to tell you that I was uh, scared anew with this. Very, very interesting Remember, journey. in its
0: scale, it is a perfect movie. Yeah. It, in its scale. I mean, you say, it's got bad acting. It's got bad acting. Ha! You know, yeah. it's you know, the only guy that really shows up everybody else is Dwayne Jones. But you soon forget about that because it's it's it just grips you and there's no way you can let it go yeah. still to this day people are still frightened about it. i remember i saw it in in high school and when they burned up that truck and everybody's walking away with their take-home meal you know everybody's Gosh. running out of the theater
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody and I, ever... I believe if, if the music playing in the background right now is the music from that scene you can actually, we go. You we actually go you can hear the zombies gnashing. Uh, noshing
1: Almost hear bones yeah, crunching. Can, they
0: have some great sound effects when when he's down in the cellar. You can hear him on the door. There's like a thousand of them up there beating down a little door, and of course they can't get through. And uh, they're all going. Eh, eh. Great sound effects for 1968.
1: We also have a little a little uh, dialogue here that I found to be particularly uh, noteworthy.
0: Uh. Are they slow moving, Chief? <laughs> yeah, they're dead. They're.
2: All messed up. <laughs> I think that kind of sums, uh, sums up life, I think, in a lot
1: of ways. <laughs> Too funny. George has something to say.
2: All right, All right George. Uh, yeah, we just want to uh, add real quick, for those of you who uh, would like to collect, save, and trade these episodes, they are available Yay. on the Internet at www.perfectmovie.net. And right there is a button you can subscribe, and it will uh, automatically download them into iTunes for you. Um, we now have eight episodes up. Hope to have a whole bunch more up this weekend, if I can get the time.
1: Once again, another fantastic edition of Filmically Perfect. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net
2: See you, please.